Well, good morning. Um, you know, I got to thinking this week, um, you guys had to put up with me one more week. Um, but no, this week I was, I was thinking that, um, just meditating more on John 21 and uh, this passage and uh, what we've been looking at together for the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, in this passage, we're going to see where Jesus calls Peter just to follow him. And um, I don't know about you, but uh, I feel like a failure um, a lot with respect to following the Lord. And um, so um, what stood out to me this week is that um, we just can't think of Peter as the guy, you know, in the book of Acts that um, did these great things for the Lord. Because if we just look at Peter this way, um, then we start to think about ourselves and think, I could never be used of God like Peter. Um, he, he was a spiritual giant. And, um, but we're not unlike Peter. And that's kind of what we've seen in, in the, the book, through the book of John. We're not unlike Peter, and he's not unlike us. And uh, we've seen him fail over and over again. Uh, but what happens? Um, we've seen Jesus' desire to restore him. And Jesus desires to restore us because we're all broken people to some degree in order that he can use us to accomplish his purposes for his glory. Um, and I, I kind of mentioned this last week, but you know, if you, if you just think about it, I mean, God's plan uh, is to use broken people to accomplish his purposes for his glory. And there's, there's not another plan. You know, there's only one plan and, and his plan is to, is to use us. Um, you might think of Paul, right? I mean, when you think of Paul, you're like, wow, here's a spiritual giant and there's never going to be anyone to walk the earth again like the Apostle Paul. Um, but how come we like forget these words in Romans 7 where Paul says, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. So Paul was admitting that like, he struggles. He struggles. Um, he struggles with failure. He struggles with sin. Um, but what's his conclusion? His conclusion is this. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's really the answer. I mean, in the Star Wars realm, Obi-Wan Kenobi was their only hope. But in our world, Jesus is the only hope. And um, so and then Paul's next words in Romans 8.1, which comes right after he's talking about his struggle with sin and failing. These are great truths. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So my point is that um, all of these men that we might get this, you know, kind of perverted view of who they really are, um, they weren't perfect men by a long shot. They're just broken people like us that God used to accomplish his purposes. And, um, and that's, so that's kind of sums up what we have been looking at here in the first two Sundays through John 21, that... Uh, Jesus over and over will come to meet us where we're at. He gets us to face the reality of our lives, and then he sends us on to do his will. There, he doesn't want us to be stagnant, but he wants us to, to move on. And I, I picture it like this, a young boy that's getting ready to go out and play with his friends. 
But then, you know, right before he's getting ready to go out, his father finds out that he lied about something. So the father comes down to his level and is like, son, we need to talk about this. We need to get this right. And they work through it. And then at the end of that, the father hugs the son and it's like, pats him on the back and says, now get out there and have a good time with your friends. He moves them on. He moves them past the failure. So for us, we, we get off mission. We get, we get off calling and we tend to get wrapped up into ourselves. And last week we talked about um, we get wrapped up in our fish, if you will. And uh, we lose sight of the things that matter to our Lord. But he comes to us to refocus us and push us forward. So this morning, I want us to see something that again, as imperfect human beings, is also a huge hindrance in our lives as it pertains to following the Lord. It's what, it's what gets in the way of following the Lord. And that thing is comparing ourselves with others. So if you guys can, please turn to John 21. And um, the title of my message is The Subtle Sin of Comparison. And we're going to just start off by reading, um, well, I'll just read the whole thing, 18 through 25. Truly, truly, I say to you that you were young. This is Jesus talking to Peter. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them the one who also had learnt, leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And he's talking about John. Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So I'm going to define comparison this way. <clears throat> comparison is determining where I am based on where everyone else is. Okay, I'll, I'll say that one more time. Comparison is determining where I am based on where everyone else is. I'm so glad that this comes up in this passage. That's why I wanted to like take another week because I think just this topic alone is is, uh, is very important. And, and like I said before, it causes a great hindrance to us following the Lord, um, this comparison game. And um, if you noticed, uh, Peter addressed, I mean, Jesus addressed Peter uh, on this just head on. We already saw how Jesus lovingly restored Peter and will lovingly restore us when we are in a state of thinking we are failures after we sin over and over again. That state of mind itself is, is a poison if we don't understand that God's plan is to use broken people to accomplish his purposes for his glory. But this comparison game that I'm going to talk about this morning is equally as poisonous in our ability to follow the Lord and to keep us in a paralyzed state of living, which is exactly what the devil wants um, for us. 
So if you're like me, um, you find yourself coming down with a certain illness um, a lot, and it's called the if-only illness. Um, if only I had as much money as they do. If only I was as smart as they are. If only my kids were as well-behaved as theirs. If only I had grown up in their home with their parents. If only I had the opportunities they have. If only I could speak, cook, think, do, be like someone else, then I could fill in the blank and be happy and satisfied with life. And I'm telling you that in the world in which we live today, social media makes us a hundred times worse, this, this comparison that we have to deal with, this sin of comparison. Um, this is how social media works, right? You finally muster up the courage to start walking one mile a day on your treadmill, and then your friend, CrossFit Chris, posts on Instagram about how he did two miles of handstand walks with a kettlebell between his legs. <laughs> so then you're discouraged again, right? Um, or maybe you're just hanging out at home and everything's good until you start scrolling through Facebook and see your friend all happy um, and out to a nice restaurant with her well-dressed man while you're eating pizza and your man is playing video games in his pajamas. So I want us all to agree together this morning that we cannot compare your real life with someone else's social media life behind all the crops and filters. Just, let's just agree to that first. Comparison is such a subtle sin because it's almost always internal. Comparison convinces us to take our eyes off of following Jesus and simply look at something or someone else. And at that point, we start sizing things up and comparing. Now, as a caveat, I'm not going to go into this really a lot, but here, but I'm not talking about godly comparison. In fact, you all know the the verse that says, um, uh, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So to some degree, imitation requires comparison because you're looking to see what they're doing. Um, but what we need to do is lead our comparisons in the right direction, away from envy, pride, covetousness, and self-pity, and toward Christ-like imitation and the fear of God. Why did Jesus need to be blunt with Peter? I think it's because comparison distracts us from our purpose, our mission, and our need to pursue holiness. You'd think that, you know, the way this passage would go is, is Jesus said, um, follow me. And Peter would say, all right, Lord, I'm all in. Let's go. Where are we going? You know, I'm ready to follow you. But instead, um, right off the bat, Peter, Peter struggles with, how can I know that I'm enough? And then he starts down the comparison road with John. I wonder if Jesus was thinking for the last time, I mean, it's almost like Jesus comes across very strong and it's, you might be thinking for the last time, Peter, will you stop comparing yourself to everybody else? Jesus' answer was in essence, stop looking at John and keep your eyes on me. So let's look at the cost of comparison. What happens when we start comparing ourselves with others? We take our eyes off of ourselves or the Lord and put them elsewhere. And what do we tend to do at that point? We start to see the world through this lens of better than or worse than. Okay, that's, that's what happens when we start comparing with others. And what does this do? This leads most of the time to pride or discontentment. Um, how does it do that? Because 
We either look at others and determine that we are superior to them, in which we're proud, um, makes us feel better about ourselves, or we look at others and determine that we need to have more er than someone else. Um, if we think we're worse than others, then we want to be thinner, richer, better, smarter, healthier, you name it with the er. Um, and then we become discontent with, what, with, what, uh, with our lives. And then oftentimes what this does is it leads then to jealousy and resentment. Do you think Peter may have resented John a little bit? I kind of say this tongue-in-cheek, but uh, wouldn't you be annoyed if your close friend always spoke about himself in third person? Um, so Peter probably was annoyed by that. No. Um, and also, uh, we know that John, you know, right here it says that there were many other things that Jesus did, and he could have written anything, but he chose to talk about the race he and, had Peter, he and Peter had to the tomb and how he won. Um, and then, actually, if you go through the book of John, it's very evident that uh, it includes many instances of Peter's failures. So I'm kind of kidding about Peter resenting him because this book was written long after, but, uh, but here's the thing. Jealousy says, I wish I had that. And resentment says, I wish they didn't have that. Now, I don't want anyone to raise their hands here because this is embarrassing, but I, I want you to think about this. Have you ever known someone, possibly a friend or someone else, where it just seemed like everything was going great in their life? You know, they never had a, a hitch. And, um, and then just maybe for once something didn't go their way and internally you actually rejoiced a little bit. Don't raise your hands because I feel like we've all been there. They call you and tell you about their misfortune and you're like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Trying to sound as sincere as you can. Um, but this kind of thinking is really messed up. I, I hope you all can identify with this. Uh, if not, then you're doing really well. <laughs> but I dare say that we've all been there to some degree. And it just goes to show how wicked our flesh really is. What's really going on here, right, when this happens? You're resenting God's blessing on someone else's life because you're comparing what God has chosen to give them versus what he has supposedly withheld from you. We deceive ourselves into thinking that God has withheld something good from us so it builds resentment toward others and towards God. Comparison always leads us to resent God's goodness in others' lives while ignoring his blessing in our own lives. This is a really convicting thought, but think about this. What if we woke up today with only the things that we thank God for yesterday? And that's, that's convicting. Um, So another cost of comparison is insecurity. What do I mean by this? What I mean, and this is kind of how I feel like what was going on with Peter here, is that comparison is looking to find an external validation to satisfy an internal longing. And the truth is that there is no external answer to fill our internal spiritual need. When we find ourselves doing this, we need to stop measuring ourselves against others 
only to feel like you come up short and start looking to the Savior for fulfillment and worth. We need to stop looking at the Johns in our lives and start looking at Jesus. So if there's a cost to comparison, what's the cure? What's the cure for comparison? To get out of that mindset, to get out of that thinking. Um, I think the cure is is right here in the passage. So after all of this happened and... um, uh, there was this exchange between Peter and, 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 um, and Jesus. The end result was, what is that to you? You follow me. I think a key to overcoming the distraction of comparison is to become captivated with your calling instead of focusing on other people's calling. Um, and you might say, well, I, I don't even have a calling. I mean, I'm not like Paul where he started off every letter, like called to be an apostle of God. But I want to I share with us this morning that uh, in a general sense, we all have this calling, and it at least involves the following things I'm going to share. But this is not even an exhaustive list. This is just some things that I, that I thought about to put here. But what is your calling? What is our calling? It's serving others, right? John 13, 14, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Right there, if we were captivated with that calling, how would we have time to be comparing ourselves with others? Praying is part of your calling. Matthew 6, 9, Jesus says, this is how you ought to pray. Loving others is part of our calling. John 15, 12, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. How are we doing? you know, with our calling here. Living a sacrificial life. Luke 9.23 says, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Telling others about the Lord. John 20.21, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. That's five things so far. How, how are we doing on those? How are we fulfilling? Are we fulfilling those callings in our life? Becoming Christ-like. 1 John 2, 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. We could spend our lives just focusing on that. Walking as he walked. Um, obeying the Father. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Another part of our calling is listening for direction, keeping our ears attuned to the Father. John 10, 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And then suffering is part of our calling. We heard that in the story of Horatio Spafford, who wrote, It is well with my soul. 1 Peter 2.21, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. And and again, I, I don't think that those nine things are exhaustive. I think there's many more things that we could find that, in a sense, are all general to our calling. So let's really think about this. If we... If we would stop to take these things seriously, just these nine things, then how do we even have a minute of free time to be comparing ourselves with others? 
I, I dare say it's, it's because we're not necessarily taking them seriously um, and somehow comparing ourselves with others actually kind of relieves the, the, the reality that we need to face in our own lives of how we're doing following our calling, okay? Because we might find someone else who, well, they're not doing very, they're not doing that. Um, and so we use it to just soothe ourselves. But I like how Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 um, says this. And this is the verse about fixing our eyes on Jesus, right? But I'm going to paraphrase it um, this morning. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, the weight of feeling like we need to size people up in order to feel better about ourselves, and the sin which clings so closely, the sin of comparing ourselves with others to judge whether we are better than them or worse than them. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I think what's interesting is, you know, um, God, through the writer of Hebrews, uses this term race, the race set before you. And when we think of a race here on earth, right, it's, we were thinking of the Olympics or something, and it's like you against those guys, right? But this race is not a race between you, me, and other people. He's talking about a solo race here. It's just you. And that race is the lane that Jesus has prepared for you. There's no other, there's no other guys to your right, no other guys to your left. There's just one lane, and that's your lane. And if Jesus were physically present today, I picture him coming up to us and saying, stay in your lane. That's what he was saying to Peter, stay in your lane. God has marked out your lane, so keep your eyes focused and follow him. It's like he's always running before you in your lane, and you need to keep your eyes on him so that you don't get off the, out of the lane, you don't get out of the path, you don't stray, um, or else you'll get lost. So stay in your lane and following Jesus in the lane that he's prepared for you. And again, I, I think that the way, you know, we don't have the, the tonations, if that's a word, of what is uh, written here. We just have the black and white words or sometimes red words. Um, but I believe that the way Jesus said this to Peter was, was in a very strong way. I feel like um, he was saying, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? What is that to you that everything always seems to go that person's way? Stay in your lane and follow me. What is that to you that she can manage five kids while keeping her house clean, affording Starbucks daily, and reading a book every week? What is that to you? Stay in your lane and follow me. For you students, what is that to you that he doesn't have to study and he still aces the test? While well, I study my tail off and barely pass. Stay in your lane and follow me. John's got a big house, a nice car, two and a half kids, a golden retriever, and a great job. What is that to you? Stay in your lane and follow me. If you think you need Jesus plus something or someone that's in another lane has in order to be happy and satisfied, then you haven't come to know the Jesus of the Bible yet in the way that he wants you to know him. Charles Spurgeon said, said this, if you are not content with what you have now, 
you wouldn't be satisfied even if it were doubled because you haven't yet realized that Jesus is all you need. So for us as followers of Christ, we need to remember how good God has been to us in Jesus Christ. And um, even in the songs this morning, you know, we were proclaiming things of, that, that we have in Jesus Christ. But we have to come to the point where if Jesus died for us and that's all he did for us, that it would be enough. But we know there's, there's so much more, you know. But are we even satisfied with, with that? Um, so let's look at verse 18 here. Um, this is where Jesus is, after he says, feed my sheep for the third time, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. I want to point out that like, you know, I mentioned several things that really are, are, are general and they're, they're all our calling, okay? These, these other things that I mentioned. But I think that, that God also has um, created a specific path for each one of us. Um, he's designed a specific path. And if he's designed a specific path for each of us, what does that mean? It means that each of us is unique. Um, and we have a unique path is a specific way God has called you to glorify him. Um, I knew I was, you know, going to mention this this morning, and then when we sang it as well with my soul, and Eric shared the story about um, Horatio Spafford, that was a specific path that God had for him to accomplish his purposes for his glory. And, I mean, we'll only know in heaven how many people that song has affected for God's glory. Um, I mean, that song actually has been dear to my heart and in many difficult times of life. And, um, but that was the path that God created for Horatio Spafford. Um, the reason why comparison is so bad is that God has a unique... Suppose, suppose this guy was like, well, why did my kids have to die? Why did my business have to be destroyed? But the reason why comparison is so bad is that God has a unique, specific way for each of us to glorify him through our lives. And when we start comparing, we lose sight of how God is using us to glorify him. Um, but praise the Lord, that man didn't, didn't lose sight. So we are called to do exactly what God has designed for you to do in the exact time and way he has called you to do it. That means you are one of a kind. So if we're all one of a kind, right, then um, it doesn't even make sense to compare against each other because we're all one of a kind that God has created a, a specific path for. You're not just a teacher. You're God's representative in the classroom of what it looks like when Jesus teaches the area of a circle, 2 pi r. Anyone catch that? It's pi r squared. <laughs> um, you're not just a student. You're God's representative at your school so they can see what Jesus looks like as a student. You're not just a stay-at-home mom. You're God's representative in your home so your kids can see how Jesus will never stop loving them being patient with them, will always be faithful to them, 
will never give up on them and will be there to put band-aids on their boo-boos. Just like Jesus puts band-aids on our boo-boos. Um, you're not just a nothing. You're all unique. But I, I bet that some out there probably are still struggling with comparing and you're thinking, I'm not really good at anything. I don't have much to offer. So sometimes that's really, that, that comes from our backgrounds, you know, maybe the way we were raised or we were raised in a home where there wasn't much validation. And so the devil uses our background sometimes to, to feed us those lies. But if you are a believer, if you've come to know Christ, then we shouldn't be reverting back to insecurity and jealousy and envy and thinking like, if only I was like him or her, then God could use me. Because God created you to use you how he created you. Oswald Chambers says it this way, the way we continually talk about our own inabilities is an insult to our creator. To complain over our incompetence is to accuse God falsely of having overlooked us. I just want us to see, I just want to share a couple of points here that God made you exactly who you are and he does not make mistakes. These are truths about who you are. Jesus chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear much fruit. John 15. I mean, think about that. Jesus chose you and appointed you. What more validation do you need? He will equip you for every good work. His grace will always be sufficient for you. He will complete the work he has begun in you, Philippians 1.6. And he has promised to always be with you till the end of the age. I want us to just get these truths in our head so that we can get over this comparison um, deception. Um, who cares what John is doing, right? What's that to you? Who cares what the Johns in your life are doing? Follow Jesus and glorify him by walking in the path that he has designed for you. This is who you are in Christ. In Christ, you are chosen. 1 Thessalonians 1.4. You are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.7. You are forgiven. Ephesians 1.7. You are blessed. Galatians 3.9. Talks about blessed are those who, ha who have faith. They are blessed. You are victorious, Revelation 12, 11. You are set free, John 8, 31. You are free from condemnation, Romans 8, 1. You are more than a conqueror, Romans 8, 37. You are accepted in him, Ephesians 1, 6. And you are complete in him, Ephesians 2, 5. That's the truth, okay? That's the truth of your life. And comparison isn't just an unhealthy poison to your Christian life. It's downright incompatible with the faith we profess. It, it, they, they don't mix. It's like oil and vinegar. You, once we start comparing, it's like it doesn't go with our faith. It doesn't go with our faith. Um, and that faith began when we responded to the gospel message. So I'm excited this morning. Um, I kind of forgot about it that... Uh, we're going to do the Lord's Supper this morning uh, till later this week. And then I just thought that um, 
this is a perfect day to do the Lord's Supper. And it's a great morning to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And what we're celebrating is who we are in Christ and, uh, and that he's chosen us and called us to accomplish his purposes for his glory. So if the deacons could please come forward. Let's think about the gospel this morning, right? The gospel is a message of radical acceptance, unconditional love interacting with people who are not worthy, who are not perfect, who are not better than anyone else, but sinners, every one of us. But in Christ, God has accepted us, cleansed us, clothed us, saved us, changed us, loved us, adopted us, and he is the one who fulfills us to the point where we no longer need external validation because we have internally been satisfied by him. Will you let him determine your worth this morning as we partake of the bread and the cup? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm just, I'm so thankful for your word and I'm so thankful that you chose what would be um, in your preserved word for us. And just this story here, God, that, that um, tells us that you don't want us to just walk through life comparing ourselves with others, but you want us to just focus on following you. And Lord, what would that be like if we if we just focused on following in you and, and, and we're not paralyzed by this, are we better than or worse than someone else syndrome. Father, this morning as we um, take the bread and the cup, I just pray that you would, um, that we would rejoice, Father, for who we are in Christ that we would rejoice that it's only because of the cross that we um, have worth, that we have significance. Um, and that's what we want to celebrate this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So deacons, if you all could please pass out the bread and the cups. And as they're, as they're doing that... Um, I thought about showing this video. Um, it's a music video to a song, but it's really, uh, I watched it a few times yesterday and it always brings me to tears because um, it kind of shows people ha how, where they are in their mess. It, it starts where they're dirty and unclean and then it kind of like goes backwards and shows how God just made us his righteousness um, in him. And the, and the song is called Flawless. And um, so I'm just going to read some of these words while these guys are passing out the bread and the cups. There's got to be more than going back and forth from doing right to doing wrong because we were taught that's who we are. Come on, get in line right behind me. You, along with everybody, thinking there's worth in what you do. Then like a hero who takes the stage when we're on the edge of our seats saying it's too late, 
Well, let me introduce you to amazing grace. No matter the bumps, no matter the bruises, no matter the scars, still the truth is the cross has made you flawless. No matter the hurt or how deep the wound is, no matter the pain, still the truth is the cross has made you flawless. Could it possibly be that we simply can't believe that this unconditional kind of love would be enough to take a filthy wretch like this and wrap him up in righteousness? But that's exactly what he did. Take a breath, smile and say, right here, right now, I am okay because the cross was enough. And I love this line here that Julie addresses the comparison. No matter what they say or what you think you are, the day you called his name, he made you flawless. Think about that this morning. The day you called his name, he made you flawless. Just take some time to um, pray before the Lord as these guys finish passing out the cups. So let us celebrate this morning by partaking of the bread and cup what his death means for each one of us. Let's go ahead. So I hope this morning that <clears throat> this has been an encouraging message to you and that we can go out of here and... Um, we can feel good about ourselves because of what Christ has done for us, what Christ has done for us. And whenever we find ourselves falling back into that comparison-type thinking, just think that the answer to that is Jesus saying, get your eyes on me, okay? I want you to follow me because I have stuff. I want you to be about my business. And um, you can't be about my business when you're, comparing yourselves with others. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your truths. God, I pray that you would help us to follow you with all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls, Lord, um, and to keep our eyes fixed on you, to stay in our lanes and run the race that you've set before us.
Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.